Okay, so we finished uh, last week with the Ten Commandments, and um, in that chapter 20, you've got the Ten Commandments, one through ten, and then you've got uh, God's affirmation of Moses. You know, he told Moses, I, the people have seen the fire, they, and they know that, that I have confirmed that you as the leader and... And then it stuck on the end of that is these, and remember the chapters are not in the original writings. Uh, when Moses wrote this down, he didn't write chapter 20 and then put the Ten Commandments in there. The chapters came along later in fairly recent years. Um, I, sometime in this, in the last thousand years is when they were done. Um, so the books were all there. Separate, separated Isaiah, you know, and things like, and Psalms in the Old Testament. And then the New Testament uh, for these several, well, 1,700 years, the New Testament has basically been like it is now. And so all the, the books are there, but they didn't have chapters and verses. So it was pretty hard to tell somebody where, where you were talking about. But... Um, So the idea that this stuff about the altar is stuck on the end of that is, seems kind of strange to me, un unless you remember that the chapters aren't there. So we go from the, the altar, don't carve the stone. He said, just pile some rocks up there, and that's going to be your altar. Don't carve them and fit them together, because before you know it, you'll be carving them into animals and stuff. So that puts us at chapter 21. Uh, these laws, they they came along about uh, two thirty five hundred years ago, in about the the year fifteen fifty A.D. fourteen fifty A.D. something like that, around the same time as the Hammurabi Code, which was found in Egypt. That he was a, he was a law person and he wrote these laws. And all around the world, they think that, they think that all of our laws are based on Hammurabi's code. I, I, did I ask about Hammurabi last week? Okay. Hammurabi, um, was an Egyptian law person. I, I don't know if he's a judge or a lawyer or what, but he wrote this code of laws and they're on this stelly, a thing about this tall, and it's black, and it's got all these rules and stuff written on it. And it's similar to what we read here. Similar, but different. Um, it's, not, it's not as fair to the poor. It's not fair to common men. It's not, you know, it, there was, in, in Hammurabi's day, there was, a, you, there was the haves and the have-nots, and the have-nots didn't have any, they didn't have any rights. Uh, a lot the way in England and all that stuff, you had whatever rights the king gave you, but they could do almost anything to you. So this code that Moses wrote down, that he received from God, that's what it says in uh, the beginning of chapter 20, that he received it from God. It, some, some even theologians want to say that this came from Hammurabi, but it's not it's not even similar. In fact, I say it is, and the time that Hammurabi was supposed to have been written is pretty close to this time right here. I say it's possible that Hammurabi even got his from this because this was unique in that day. Nothing else was like it. So like here, this, in the very beginning, it's the rights of slaves. It says, now these are the judgments which you shall set before them. Number one, if you buy a Hebrew servant, he shall serve six years, and in the seventh he shall go out free and pay nothing. So there was a Sabbath for, for even servants. Now, I think these are like indentured servants, the same kind of thing that we had in the, the 15, 1600s of people coming over to the United States. You, they would, they would get paid to get to come over here, and then they'd have to work for four or five years or whatever as an indentured servant to, and once that was paid off, those five years, 
then they were free to go on and do whatever they they wanted to do. And that's I think that's the same thing here, a servant like that. Not slaves like we think of slaves, like there were here in the 1700s and 1800s. Um, it's servants. So if he, at the end of six years, he goes free. If he comes in by himself, he goes out, he shall go out by himself. If he comes in married, then his wife shall go out with him. So if he gets married while he's there to one of the servant girls, it doesn't mean that she gets to leave too until her, well, we'll see what happens with her in a minute. If his master has given him a wife, she had borne him sons, then uh, the wife and children will be her masters and he shall go out by himself. So if he decides that he doesn't want to leave, then his master can bring him to the judge and he shall also bring him to the door or to the doorpost. So he, he could ask to stay if he wanted to. Uh, here, I'll do, that's okay, Jeff. Let me just do it with this. I think mine will hook up now and I'll use that. I don't know if it came undone or what. What? Jeff did that. Yeah, mine's still saying it won't connect. So, um, I'm going to turn it off and try to turn it back on. My clicker? Ah, it's working. Okay, thanks. Um, okay, and that says what he'd do, do if he stays a slave. Then if a man sells his daughter to be a female slave, uh, that, that doesn't sound very good, does it? She shall not go out as the male slave does. She doesn't get to go out. Why do you think that would be? Exactly. Right. That's right. That's exactly right. The opportunity that women would have, I mean, if they, if they got kicked out at the end of six years, they'd be in trouble. Same Elizabeth Bennett who wrote that stuff. Jane Austen. Jane Austen. And when you look at all the Jane Austen movies and all the stuff that she wrote, Pride and Prejudice and Persuasion, all those things, she goes on about how women don't have any opportunity. If they don't marry and, the, and their parents aren't taken care of, they would be in trouble. They would end up, I mean, a lot of them, that the only opportunity was prostitution or something like that, or selling themselves as an indentured servant. So if a woman, I mean, she was a slave and she gets, I'm releasing you after six years. She goes, whoa, hold on a minute. That wouldn't have been good. So they weren't released the same as a man. If she doesn't please her master, who has betrothed her to himself? See, there's some different kind of picture going on here. I don't. So I don't know if she was sold like to be a wife in the first place or what the deal is here. And it's very unclear. Nobody's really sure. They're not sure of how this stuff works. But he. Uh, so if she's betrothed to him, then. She, then he shall let her be redeemed. He so somebody can what? If she hasn't pleased him. Oh, right, like he can't kick her out. She, she has to let her be claimed by somebody else. Um, Is that what the Muslims believe? Is this part of it? Some of that, yes. It may have. It may have been, but they're not. They don't follow the law of Moses either. They go. They do trace their lineage back to Abraham, but they don't. They don't go by Moses. They depart after Abraham. So he shall have no. Okay, uh, he shall have no right to sell her to a foreign people, since he's dealt deceitfully with her. And if he's betrothed her to his son, he shall deal with her according to the custom of daughters. So if he buys this woman and she's going to be a his son's wife, he can't just kick her out. If he if uh, if he takes another wife, he shall not diminish her food or clothing or marriage rights. 
So even if he marries somebody else, he can't, like, divorce her. He's still got to keep on taking care of her exactly the same way. And if he does not do these three, four, then he shall, she shall go out free without paying any money. Now, as David Abdu says back there, that, that wouldn't be the best thing, but it's better than getting sold off to you know, some uh, Philistines or whatever. That's part of our divorce laws now. I mean, if a woman's been to stay at home and they've been together, raised kids right. for 25 years, they can divorce, she gets half of it. Right. Right. So. In most of the United States, she gets half no matter what. Yeah. Uh, if, she do, if she doesn't have a job, she gets half, and he has to pay for to take care of her. Um, it's interesting how many parts of the world that there isn't anything like that. You can just say, I break with thee, and you're done, and, the, and you don't have any responsibility. Even in Korea, it's a little bit that way. So, okay. And then it goes on to these other laws and some of these are familiar, but, uh, and they are very different from the rest of the world at the time. Uh, it was, they were very unique. If you strike a man so that he dies, uh, you'll be put to death. So that's that right there. Look at all the ones where death is the remedy, uh, capital offenses, However, if he didn't lie, okay, but if he didn't lie in wait, but God delivered him into his hand, then I'll appoint for you a place where he may flee. So if you like get in a fight with a guy or, or you've been done wrong and you have like a duel or something like that and you didn't lie in wait and waylay him from the back and beat him over the head with something. Uh, so as long as that doesn't happen, then you can go to a place of refuge. You know where they said they would go to and hold on to the horns of the altar or something? That doesn't actually exist yet. And the places of refuge don't exist yet, but they will be. So that's manslaughter rather than murder. Yes, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it doesn't have to be just self-defense. It could be that you've been done wrong or somebody did something, you know, said something bad about your hound dog or something like that. Uh, but, okay, so where he can flee. But if a man acts with premeditation against his neighbor to kill him by treachery, you shall take him from my altar. So even if he goes to that place of refuge, then any, but he's done this stuff. Like he Joab. premeditated murder like who? Joab. David's leading man, he grabbed a whole altar and was killed right there. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah, I didn't remember. I wasn't sure what part you were talking about. That's right. Um, you, so he can't go to the refuge and still be protected. That's right. And he who strikes his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. I mean, that's how much just strike your mother and father. He who kidnaps a man and sells him or, or if he is found, wait a minute, that's not right. He who kidnaps a man and sells him, or if he is found in his hand, shall surely be put to death. Okay, so it, if you're caught with somebody that you've kidnapped, and he who curses, okay, so if you hit, if you strike your father and mother, you'll be put to death. But even if you curse your father and mother, verse 17, you shall surely be put to death. If a man contend with each other and one strikes the other with a stone or with his fist and he doesn't die, but is confined to his bed, if he rises again and walk, walks outside with a staff, that even if you're on crutches, then he who struck him shall be acquitted. He shall only pay for the loss of his time and shall provide for him to be thoroughly healed. So you have to, there's restitution. That's what they call that. And we have that in our laws today. That you have to, you have to compensate him for, for the time that he's lost, but you, you don't get, you don't, that's your only fine is you have to take care of him. And if a man beats his male or female servant with a rod so that he dies under his hand, he shall surely be punished, not put to death. He, I'm, I'm assuming that that's something like a fine or whatever, but notwithstanding, if he remains alive a day or two, he shall not be punished at all for he's his property. So what does that mean? That you didn't, that you didn't beat him up intending to kill him. So as long as he stays alive for a few days, if even if you beat him within an inch of his life, if he stays alive for a few days, hey, no problem. Because he would, that's where, for he is his property. The idea of servant and slave begins, to, the what we think of as slave begins to be muddled there. But, but 
in this code, the slave did have some rights, which the rest of the world, slaves didn't have it. Uh, if men fight and hurt a woman with child, think about the, our laws now. If men fight and hurt a woman with child so that she gives birth prematurely, but no harm follows, he shall surely be punished accordingly as the woman's husband imposes on him. So whatever that husband says, uh, for and he shall pay as the judges determine also. But if any harm follows, then you shall give life for life. That means if the baby, if the baby dies, then you die too. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth. I, I put that in bold face because that was one of the things that Hammurabi brought along. Eye for eye and tooth for tooth is in the Hammurabi code and it was new because you didn't have one for the other. And in this, in context, everybody has a right to that. Men and women have been mentioned here, right? In Hammurabi's code, no women are ever mentioned. And slaves aren't mentioned either. There were, there were classes there, and only the people in the upper class had any rights. So that's one of the things that makes this very different. But eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, that sounds like Muslim and, and Middle Eastern countries, doesn't it? Foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. But all of that is in, con is in the context of what happens with, to a baby, a woman that's pregnant with a baby. If a man strikes the eye of his male or female servant, but that eye, that idea of eye for eye, tooth for tooth, like for like, that whole idea is in there and goes on in this next one. If you strike your male or female servant and it, uh, and it destroys their eye, he shall let him go free for the sake of his eye. So maybe that wouldn't be so bad. And if he knocks the tooth out of his male or female servant, he shall let him go free for the sake of his tooth. So what do you think that the net result of that was? I mean, what are they trying to accomplish with some of these rules? Not, not to fight. That it won't happen. Yeah. <laughs> the punishment is told ahead of time. Hey, you can beat your servant, but you're going to have to pay for it. And you can poke their eye out. But either, and you could kill your servant, but then you won't have a servant anymore. And if you poke their eye out, they get to go free. Don't you think that saved a lot of poking eyes out? Or, or get teeth getting knocked out? Don't you reckon? David? Okay. And the Magna Carta. When they lived back then, you know, if they put somebody in jail, then they had to feed them. Right. So that's why they cut off their hands. Well, there was a direct one for one thing and and it's a and it permanently identifies them. And and, and we don't we don't have any and we do their pets and consumers and, and stuff, but that was their card back then. Exactly. But, and we have laws similar to that now. I'm, it's not just me being quick to, uh, to uh, make a comparison. George Washington and the, the people who wrote our laws in the late 1700s, they said themselves that they took it from here. And that you have Hammurabi's code on the wall of the, of the Supreme Court building along with the Ten Commandments and all that kind of stuff. Why? Because it came from here. This is kind of the source code for some of that stuff. Jimmy, what were you saying? I, I didn't know that Hammurabi's law was on with the Ten Commandments. I didn't, it, I didn't know the, that. The Hammurabi Steli, which is a little pillar thing, and it's not very big. Uh, it's a black pillar, and it's got all the cuneiform writing on it. Um, so it's like the Phoenicians or something like that. 
Um, and it, I think it also has Egyptian writing on it. Uh, so if he, if he knocks out a tooth, blah, blah, blah. If an ox gores a man, this is interesting. If an ox gores a man or a woman to death, then the ox shall surely be stoned. <laughs> Stone the ox. They blame the ox. And its flesh shall not be eaten, but the owner of the ox shall be acquitted. So you're, if it gores somebody, you're not automatically in trouble. But you do lose your ox. That's, that's the penalty for it. But if the ox tended to thrust with its horn in times past, and it's been made known to his owner, and he's not kept it confined so that it, and then it kills somebody, the ox shall be stoned, and its owner shall also be put to death. This, you know those stories that we hear on the news where, um, uh, dog mauls neighbor? What would happen if we applied this rule? I bet there might be less dog mauling going on if, uh, if you really had to be, I mean, if you really had a stiff penalty. That's the deal. Stiff penalties do uh, the word I'm looking for. They what? Deter. Deter crime, yes. It's a deterrence. Okay, so dog, dog mall's neighbor wouldn't happen if we applied this rule like this. And it does, that's exactly what it is. If you knew, I mean, you're not in trouble if just out of the... Out of the clear blue sky, that ox goes crazy and mauls somebody. But if the ox mauls somebody, you know it's been done before and you haven't taken any measure, then you get put to death. If there is imposed on him a sum of money, he shall pay to redeem his life, whatever's imposed on him. So you could get out of it if you could buy your way out of it. Whether it's gored a son or gored a daughter, according to the judgment shall be done to him. The ox gores a male or female servant. He shall give to their master 30 shekels of silver and the ox shall be stoned. So you got to pay for those, all those things. If you open a pit and don't, and don't take care of it, donkey falls in, then, uh, the dead animal shall be his. You can pay fines. There's all, a lot of stuff that, that's just, um, fines and stuff like that. Uh, there's about it, an ox hurting somebody in the past. If you steal an ox or a sheep, this is, um, so this is cattle thieving, rustlers right here, right here in chapter 22. If you, uh, if a man steals an ox or a sheep and slaughters it or sells it, he restores five oxen for an ox or four sheep for a sheep. So, Five to one, you have to replace it if you get caught. That might, that might take care of some, some cattle thieving too. If the thief is found breaking in and he's struck so that he dies, there shall be no guilt for the bloodshed. That's what we call the castle doctrine. That if in your own house, you can protect yourself or your, or your belongings, because this is about protecting your ox or sheep. You can protect your blood. And it, you're not guilty of any bloodshed. You, that's, what do you call it? You said it a minute ago, self-defense. That's right. If the, if the sun is risen on him, there shall be guilt for bloodshed, for his bloodshed. The, does that mean if it's daylight that he, that you get in trouble? I think it means that, if the like, sun is risen. Well, it's kind of like, well, because when it's dark, you don't know what he's got on his hand. You don't know what he's going to do. When right. it's light, you can gauge the situation a whole lot better. Right. Does, is this person coming from our life where he's stealing something? Right. We're going to have the same thing on our laws. Uh, yeah. Is, is, is your life in danger? Because if your life wasn't in danger and you killed that person, you're guilty. And I think it's saying the same thing here. If your life is not in danger and you kill that person, you're, you're guilty. It sounds Right. So I guess, I guess, and it may be that, that you catch them because this is if they're caught. So if you, if you, if you catch them, then they're still, uh, they have to pay back, make restitution five to one. Uh, and, uh, and, the, and if he doesn't have anything, then he shall be sold for his theft. If the theft is certainly, if the theft is, that means if the sheep or ox is found alive in his hand, whether it's ox or donkey or sheep, he shall restore double. If, so if you steal them at night, you have to stay, 
repay five for one. If you do it in the daytime and you get caught and you still have them, then you have to pay double. If a man causes a field or vineyard, to be, so if my if my sheep or cattle get lost and they eat up your crop in your vineyard or in your field or anything, uh, and it feeds on another man's field, then he has to pay out of the best of his field. He has to pay back as as good or better than what he has to pay out of the best he has. But you had to, there was payback if you let uh, somebody else's property get uh, abused. If fire breaks out and catches in thorns, now, the thorns, they use thorns for enclosures, like they keep cattle and stuff. They still do that in Africa today. They'll put thorns all around and just like a barbed wire fence or something like that and keep their sheep or cattle or whatever in there. So if a fire breaks out in thorns so that stacked grain, standing grain, or the field is consumed, whatever's kept inside that thorn thicket, he who kindled the fire shall surely make restitution. It means you just got to pay it back. If a man delivers to his neighbor money, this is interesting, if he pays, delivers money or articles to keep, and it's stolen out of that man's house, if the thief is found, he shall pay double. Okay, if the thief is not found, then the master of the house shall be brought to the judges to see whether he's put his hand into his neighbor's goods. In other words, if the guy's one of those signs that says not responsible for articles left behind or stuff like that, um, if, if it's your property and somebody leaves it there and you're looking after it for him, he can't claim, hey, somebody came in and got it. Because you take them to the judge, and the judge would say, uh, what's this in your bank book that shows you got a bunch of money here? Looks like you might have sold his property. For, it, for any kind of trespass, whether it concerns an ox, a donkey, a sheep, or clothing, or for any kind of lost thing, which another claims to be his, the cause of both parties shall come before the judges, and whomever the judges condemn shall pay double to his neighbor. We have that now. It says you have to pay court costs and lawyer's fees. So if if I just frivolously want to come and say, you know, Suzanne took something of mine and I take her to court for it and the the judge says, yeah, you, I, we don't think so. You you have to pay your lawyer's fee and her lawyer's fee. This is like that. Um, <clears throat> Whomever the judge is condemned shall pay double to his neighbor. If a man delivers to his neighbor donkey, an ox, sheep, or any animal to keep and it dies, is hurt or driven away, no one's seeing it. Then an oath of the Lord shall put the, between them both that he has not put his hand. In, so you have to just say, I swear I have not done anything to cause that to go missing or, or die, killed it or whatever. But if in fact it's stolen, uh, he shall make restitution. If it's torn to pieces by a beast, then he shall bring it as evidence and he shall not make good what was torn. So he's not responsible for it if he can, if it's clear or not accident. And if a man borrows anything from his neighbor and it becomes injured or died, the owner of it being, being with it, he shall surely make it good. So if I, if I loaned Jeff my tractor or my, or my ox or donkeys that pull my plow or whatever and something happens, then, then he has to make good for it. But if, if its owner was with it, in other words, if I bring my tractor over and I plow on Jeff's property and it breaks down, if it was hired, it came for its hire. So Jeff doesn't have to pay me back if my tractor breaks down at his house or if my ox dies while pulling the plow at his house because it came there for for hire. I'm responsible for it if I'm there, right? That makes sense, doesn't it? If a man entices a virgin who is not betrothed and lies with her, he shall surely pay the bride price. So this is if you, who did we have this with? Um, the, the, um, when Di- Dinah, the, the sister of the 12, of uh, Jacob's 12, yeah. Remember what happened there? He, she wasn't betrothed to anybody, but and they killed everybody because of that. This says if you if 
you entice a virgin and or um, seduce her or whatever, and you take her to bed, then he shall pay the bride, bride price for her to be his wife. If her father utterly refuses, he shall pay money according to the bride price of a virgin. So that takes care of that. Now, there's later on, there's stuff about if she is betrothed to somebody else and he rapes her, then that's a, that's a whole other deal and he gets killed, same as in the Dinah incident. You shall not permit a sorceress to live. So that's the witch thing. That's, that's what they always quoted when they, in the witch trials. Um, so that's another, that's another death capital offense. Um, you shall not permit a sorceress to live. Whoever lies with an animal shall surely be put to death. Gross. He who sacrifices to any god except the Lord only, he shall be utterly destroyed. So there's another one. That's a capital punishment. You shall neither mistreat a stranger nor oppress him. For you are strangers in the land of Egypt. They're supposed to remember some of these things. Um, and what does that come back to, the golden rule? Treat other people the way you want to be treated. Remember when you were in Egypt and you you were a foreigner living in a strange land? Don't Don't treat others badly. You shall not afflict any widow or fatherless child. Because if you do, and they cry at all, they cry at all to me, I'll surely hear their cry, and my wrath will become hot, and I'll kill you with a with a sword, your wife shall be widows and your children fatherless. And you'll, you'll see what it feels like. If you lend money to any of my people who are poor among you, you shall not be like a money lender to him. You shall not charge him any interest if it's a poor person. You can't take advantage of poor people. Um, there's a lot of that going on these days, not just pawn shops. These payday loan places that charge people 600% interest, 800% interest annually. I mean, because it's several hundred dollars. I mean, you can borrow $300 and you have to pay several hundred dollars a month interest on that for borrowing just a little. So those payday loan places, that's what that this is. If you ever take your neighbor's garment as pledged, you have to return his garment to him before the sun goes down. For that's his only covering. It's his garment for his skin. What will he sleep in? And Because they slept in their cloaks. That's what they covered with. Um, and that, that went on into the 17 and 1800s all, all over the world. Here, um, I don't cover with my... Well, I kind of do sometimes. I cover with my puffy coat sometimes in the wintertime. Um, but... Uh, and it'll be that when he cries to me, I'll hear, for I'm gracious. Think about this being just like a law book, and you open it up, and this is the book of the law. I mean, just like we, just like if you go into your lawyer's office, he's got books, and it's got all this stuff. This is just like that. And it was revolutionary at the time. Gave all people all kinds of rights. It gave poor people rights that if I... If somebody loaned me some money, they couldn't take advantage of me. I mean, think how revolutionary that was. It was revolutionary just two or three hundred years ago in our so-called civilized Western society. That was something new. You shall not revile God nor, nor curse a ruler of your people. Is anybody guilty of that right now? I, don't, don't raise your hand if you're in this room. Have you cursed a ruler of your people? You shall not delay to offer the first of your ripe produce and your juices. The firstborn of your sons, you shall give to me, not as a burnt offering or anything like that. Likewise, you shall do with your oxen and your sheep. It shall be with his, with his mother seven days, and on the eighth day, you shall give it to me, the firstborn. Um, we've read about that someplace else. And you shall be holy men to me. You shall not eat meat torn by beasts in the field. You shall throw it to the dogs. Why would you not eat meat? You're talking about no roadkill? No roadkill. <laughs> oh, man. No roadkill. Can't eat those possums anymore, Jeff. Dave Abdu. One of these things like the 
Right? And not to take the honey from the lion like Samson did. Right. Or eat something that had been killed by dog and stuff. Right. There were a lot of bacteria. Exactly. For sure. And right. they ate with their hands. They didn't have porpoises. They didn't wash they their hands. They washed their hands after they ate. Right. Yeah. Well, well, yes, it made sense. Yeah. Well, but the USDA does have those standards about what what happens to the blood and all, and you have to drain the blood and all that kind of stuff. And it, it, any, if you've ever field dressed deer and stuff like that. You know that you have to tr- do it a certain way, otherwise stuff goes bad. And <clears throat> so some of it, I mean, they talk about being unclean, and there were a lot of things that they got pretty crazy about with the unclean stuff. But um, a lot of it, the the original purpose of it was to protect people. And so if you had something that had torn by beasts, and so you know, something's eaten on it or whatever, and they're, yeah, you just, that was, that he said, don't bother with that. Yes, no roadkill, Jeff. They didn't have refrigeration. There's no way to preserve that. That's right. Of course, who would want to preserve? Well, that's why it already is going Well, and if it came, if I was going to die, if I didn't eat something, I might eat that too, but... um yeah, it's not. That's not a good way to go. Okay, so all of that stuff, a lot of that stuff that we just went through was kind of practical, and some of this makes sense to us. But the important thing about it, all of this that we've looked at, is that men and women were covered, rich people that had cattle and all that stuff are covered, poor people are covered. It was a universally applicable kind of a law that didn't exist before that. So when when we look at kind of laws that are um, fair to all people, this is the source of that because it didn't exist anywhere before that. Um, don't circulate a false report. That's one of the Ten Commandments. Don't put your hand in the wicked uh, to be an unrighteous witness like in a court of law. You shall not follow a crowd to do evil Nor, just because everybody else is doing it, you don't go along with that if it's wrong and if it's evil. Nor shall you testify in a dispute as to turn aside after many to pervert justice. That's almost the same thing. You shall not show partiality to a poor man in his dispute. You also can't favor him just because he's an underdog. And we have that a lot. We have the underdog rule that if somebody's been done wrong, I mean, there's people that argue that that I ought to be able to break into Suzanne's house and take stuff from her because if I'm, you know, what? How? How am I going to get my stuff if I don't steal stuff from people? Have you heard that on the news? People actually say that. How? A guy's held somebody up and he gets killed, and then they gripe about it and they say, "Well, how is he going to get his stuff if he didn't take it from people?" There's people now going to stores and just cleaning them out, and the law says. Yeah. And don't do anything to yeah. them. This says, don't show partiality just because they're poor, just if they don't have stuff. It, everybody's protected. This, this is unusual because the law applied to everybody. If you're poor, the law protects you. If you're rich, the law protects you. Just because you're poor doesn't mean you can get away with stuff. If you meet your enemy socks or zonk, you're going astray. Your enemy, that's the important thing here. If you meet your enemy's ox going astray, then you take it back to him. If you see the donkey of one who hates you lying under its burden, you have to help, you have to help him. You have to help the guys, your enemy's donkey even. Because you just walk away is wrong. You shall not pervert the judgment of your poor in his dispute. So this is the the equal thing. It also protects the poor. Keep yourself far from a false matter. Don't kill the innocent and righteous. 
For I will not justify the wicked, for do not kill the innocent and righteous. That applies to things today. Six years you shall sow your land and in, it, in its produce, do all the wheat, whatever, grapes. But the seventh year you shall let it rest and lie fallow, that the poor of your people may eat, and what they leave the beasts of the fields may eat. So on the seventh year, whatever you didn't plant it, but whatever came back up volunteer, that's what we call it in Texas, if something came out and you didn't plant it. Um, so the seed that fell grows again, and either the bees get to eat it or poor people get to eat it, but you don't harvest from that. Your land it fallow, and whatever came up by accident, it belongs to the poor and whoever. Uh, but you are supposed to store up for in those six years for the seventh year. Um, in like manner, you shall do with your vineyard. Six days you shall do your work, and on the seventh day you shall rest, that your ox and your donkey may rest, the son of your female servant and the stranger. Everybody gets rest. Everybody rests. And all that I've said to you, be circumspect and make no mention of the name of other gods, nor let it be heard from your mouth. That's restating some of the stuff that's happened before. And then he says, three times you shall keep a feast to me in the year. You shall keep the feast of the unleavened bread. So that's the Passover. Um, you, you shall eat unleavened bread for seven days that I've commanded you at the time point in the month of Abib. We've already talked about that. And then the second is the feast of harvest. So at the beginning of the harvest time, you know, for us and for them too, it would be, you know, August, September, something like that. So all that's grown in the spring is harvest in, harvested in September, October, whatever, right? Uh, that's, that's the feast. That's the feast of harvest. And then l later on, when a, the second harvest comes, or at the end of the harvest, whatever, the feast of in gathering at the end of the year when you've uh, gathered in the fruit of your labors from the field. So three times of the year, all your males shall appear before the Lord. And the Israel, everybody came to Jerusalem. Once they finally get there, they come to Jerusalem. Before that, they came to the tabernacle, wherever it was, and and uh, practiced these three feasts. You shall not offer the blood of my sacrifice with unleavened or with leavened bread. So when you're doing the Passover, it's still unleavened bread. Uh, the first fruits of your land shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. You shall not boil a young goat in smother's milk. And I think we talked about that. I can't remember why, but we did. And then it ends with this. Behold, I send an angel before you to keep you in the way and to bring you into the place which I prepared. Uh, who's the angel? Don't know exactly, but it's not Moses. I... I um, kind of used to always think that that might be Moses, but a lot some of the stuff that the angel does, Moses doesn't do. <laughs> so, and it may be um, a type of Jesus, uh, but... It could just be the angel of the Lord. Uh, well, angel. possibly. It's not, it's not God himself. Beware of him and obey his voice. Do not provoke him, for he will not pardon your transgressions. For my name is in him. But if you indeed obey his voice, and that's why I say whatever it is, it's a pre-Jesus type. But if you indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. For my angel will go before you and bring you into the into the... Amorites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hivites and the Jebusites and all the other ites, and I will cut them off. You shall not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do according to their works, but you shall utterly overthrow them and completely break down their sacred pillars. So I'm taking care of all the ites for you, and because I, they're going to be done, I don't want you mixing with them. You, because if you do, all that's... Bad stuff's going to happen. But he said he couldn't forgive them. Right. Couldn't forgive. Yeah, but he had, they had to obey his word. Yes. So you shall serve, and, but, and also they, 
didn't get to adopt them and let them come in and be even uh, the, that that bunch that lived in Canaan, the promised land before them, were not going to be a part of this no matter what because God knew that the gods that they brought with them would influence them. So you shall serve the Lord your God, and he'll bless your bread and your water, and, it will, and I will take sickness away from the midst of you, and no one shall suffer miscarriage or barren, be barren in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days. That was what the promise was. I will send my fear before you. He's promised them this. So when they get to the promised land, when they're at Kadesh Barnea and they send in the spies, they were supposed to remember this. I'll send my fear before you. Did God send his fear before them? How do we know that? Rahab the harlot. Rahab the harlot said, man, we've been afraid of y'all. We worried about y'all for 40 years. How many of y'all have worried about something for 40 years? I mean, they did. The fear had already been sent before them. I will cause confusion among all the people to whom you come, and I'll make all your enemies turn their backs to you. They'll run away from you. I'll send hornets before you, which shall drive out the Hivite and the Canaanite and the Hittite from before you. I will not, but here's God. This is so cool. God says, I will not drive them out before you in one year. Because if I did, the land would become desolate and the beasts of the field become too numerous for you. Have y'all seen what happens to a place when you don't keep it up? I mean, it doesn't take long for fields to just be taken over and and all. Um, in some of those post-apocalyptic things like that I Am Legend, the one that had what... We had Will Smith in it, and it's like New York City or whatever, and it's there's lions running all over, and there it's got. I I really think that'd be that way. Um, it's interesting when you see how l- little towns that aren't taken care of how how quickly the buildings are just taken over by weeds and all that kind of stuff. God says, "I'm not going to do it. Take care of it just all at once." Little by little, verse 30, I will drive them out from before you until you've increased and you inherit the land. I'll set. And I will set your bounds from the Red Sea to the Sea Philistia, which that's up there on the boundaries of the Mediterranean, the the eastern side of the Mediterranean, uh, so west of where Israel is now. I'll, that's going to be the boundaries. From the Red Sea down there uh, up to where the Philistines live all along the Mediterranean, uh, for I'll deliver the inhabitants of the land in your hand, uh, and you shall drive them out before you. You shall make no covenant with them. Wait, Red River, sea to sea, Philistia, and from the desert to the river, and I think that's the Jordan River. For I will deliver the inhabitants of the land into your hand. You'll drive them out for you. You shall make no covenant with them, nor with their gods, with the, and they should have remembered this one because they messed up on this one when they finally, 40 years later, do come into the land. They accidentally kind of make make a covenant with somebody. They shall not dwell in your land lest they make you sin against me. For if you serve their gods, it will surely be a snare for you. And that's it. It... Turns out to be a snare, doesn't it? Oh, and we won't go for any further. So we did how many? One, two, three. We did three chapters there. A lot of stuff. And what's the most important thing is that it applied to everybody. A universal law that was fair to everybody. All men are created equal. I mean, that's that it all men and by all mankind, because women are included in this, that that was revolutionary. Now we're living in the Jubilee. Everything has been restored. Amen. Amen. And at one time, all that fair law was represented by the laws that we had too. Now things are now you've got things about uh, equity and inclusion. What's the D stand for? D E I. 
Yeah, you've got equity and inclusion laws and all that kind of stuff now to where if you're a certain type of person, a certain class of person, the laws don't apply to you. Um, so I can't remember what the D stands for. Yes, Sarge. Yep. He said lefties. Well, it, it, and it is. It's, uh, yes, that's right. Yeah. There's a double standard. Mm. Even socialism basically says that everybody gets the same thing. This is a weird left-handed socialism. This is even left of socialism. Where, and that was something that used to frustrate me when I was in school, is diversity, equity, equity inclusion, diversity. So if... We have to have diversity, and I mean, and we have so we have rules and all kinds of businesses and college and all that kind of stuff. That uh, anyway, I'll skip that. In fact, I'll just stop talking altogether. How about that? The end. Turning my switch off. Now I'm going to pray. <laughs> That's the wrong side. Father, thank you for being the God who is. Impartial, Amen. that you, that your goodness is flows to everyone. The poor, you you care about the poor. You also care about the rich. Yes. Um, you care about the animals. You care about men. You care about women. You care about everybody. Um, may we be faithful to your faithfulness towards us. Uh, May, may we be like you in, in how we're impartial and, and take care of everybody the same. Uh, even in this church, Father, I pray that we, um, we be blind to a certain extent to, to take care of everybody the same, young and old. No matter what our background is, Father, that we're always fair and faithful the same way. Bless us as we go from this place. Keep us, keep us healthy and watch over us with the protection that only you can give. Just bless us with, um, with getting to experience the fulfillment of the promises you've made to us according to your word. In Jesus' name, amen.